I'm Kimberly C. Paul. Today we talk with Amy Pickard. She's the CEO of Good to Go. She's not a doctor or a lawyer. She's just someone who has lived through loss and wants to help alleviate some of the uncertainty that arrives in the aftermath of death. How do we become the architect of our own destiny? Throughout two decades of working with the dying, I think I've discovered the secrets to dying well in America. We must learn to build the pathways to our last chapter, to create the blueprints that reflects our individual lives and values. Knowledge is power, and if we desire a death that reflects our life, we must become the designer. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for joining us today. It is a thrill to talk to people who are very, very passionate and are not clinical about end of life, death and dying um, because of personal experience. Yeah, I mean, it's so crazy. When I was at this palliative care conference, uh, somebody had asked everybody in the room, you know, whoever has decided to go into this field, you know, due to a personal experience, raise your hand and almost everybody (laughs) raised their hand. So it just shows you that, you know, this kind of um, field touches a lot of people and inspires them to kind of change their lives and to go into, you know, the death positive field. I love that death positive. And, and, And that's what we're trying to do, because some of us have not had a positive experience with the whole end of life and dying process. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, I think that's why most everybody was raising their hands <laughs> in, in that palliative care conference because they've experienced the same thing, you know, and that's what we're all trying to do is to kind of change this cultural narrative that death is something to be feared and it's, you know, awful and gloomy and morbid and depressing and creepy and scary and all of these things. And And I think people misunderstand. It's not that we're saying, you know, death is so fun, you guys. (laughs) Not at all. Come join it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) But um, it's just part of life. We're trying to get it accepted and, you know, more into the normal conversation as it's just part of life. And it will be less uh, traumatizing when it visits you because it's going to visit everybody. Yeah, it's 100% guaranteed, I heard. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the, leading, the leading cause of death is birth. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So let's, let's talk about your experience because a lot of what we, those who are trying to, like you say, um, you know, change this whole death conversation to positive death. And actually, you know, even us laughing a few minutes ago uh, about a very hard and controversial subject it all started because it didn't go as well as we hoped it would in a personal experience. And so I want, I would love for you to share yours if you, if you would like. Sure. Um, basically I was living a happy bohemian life as a freelance television producer in Los Angeles. And then out of the blue, my mom died unexpectedly and she was my best friend and biggest fan. And Uh, so that was my first kind of huge, uh, you know, encounter with death. And then I had to fly to Chicago where she lived to kind of do all of the death duties and to clean out her place. And, and I was just completely overwhelmed with the amount of administration, uh, that I was tasked, you know, out of the blue. And I just, it was so overwhelming and so 
painful to suddenly have to become a detective. You know, where was mom's electric bill? What is the name of the electric company in Chicago? I didn't even know, you know, and it was just the minutia of, you know, those kind of things. Did my mom have online accounts for her bills? And if so, what were the passwords? And I couldn't get through to them. I couldn't even get her laptop code uh, to get into her laptop, you know, things like that. It was just such a nightmare. And all I could think about was, oh my gosh, you know, I, I'm not prepared for this. Nobody ever told me about these things, the death duties. And I want to prevent other people from going through what I went through uh, from a lack of planning in advance on my mom's part. And so I started talking to uh, my mom's friends and my friend's parents about, hey, I'm going through this. You should get a will. You should do this. You should get a living will. You should talk to your kids. You should talk to your parents, blah, blah, blah. And people were listening to me <laughs> because of my personal experience. And I thought, okay, wait a minute. This is a kind of a cosmic calling now. And I want to create something to help prevent people from going through what I went through. And that's what I did. And, and and that's the funny thing is, is not the funny thing, but the, I guess, unique thing is on top of grieving the most important person in your life, like you, your mother, mm, mm. you had all these trivial trials and frustrations because there was not pre-planning involved. Right. And so it just added to your stress. Oh, it was the worst. And, you know, when you're trying to grapple with death, which is just the hugest, you know, mind explosion <laughs> that you can <laughs> kind of face. I almost said a bad word, but um, I know I, I, I was, I thought it too. <laughs> I was like, okay, you can say this. <laughs> Play along at home kids. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, you're dealing, you're struggling with what is death? Who am I if I'm not this daughter anymore and my mom's no longer alive? Uh, you know, just all these existential questions. But then it's down to what did she want done with her photographs? You know, <laughs> and so it's just, uh, you know, I found that just for me, advanced planning really makes your grief less complicated. And if you can get your advanced planning done, it not only brings you peace for, you know, you to transition and know that things are taken care of, but all of your loved ones are going to be at peace and know that they're not going to have this mess that they're going to have to face. And so all of that brain space leading up to that point is going to be able to focus on the love that you had for that person and kind of dealing with the bigger questions and the more, I feel, more important questions. Sure. And so you you took this back to Los Angeles where you lived and you created a resource. And I love the title, Good to Go. <laughs> well, I mean, I knew I wanted to, you know, I started writing a booklet of all of the questions that came up when after after my mom died. And then when she died, uh, I was taking I, I was tasked with taking care of her mom, which is my granny who was in a nursing home in Ohio. And so I included all the questions that came up with elder care and, you know, all of the other things that I was uh, coming up against. And it's just, uh, you know, and I thought, well, how can I get people to pay attention to this? Because nobody wants to talk about death or potential impending death or anything like that. And I thought, well, let's just try to make it fun. You know, I'm a fun person. I've got a sense of humor and I've, you know, made a living in pop culture. So why not 
you know, I try to get the message out through popular culture in the only way that I know how, which is kind of a lighthearted, you know, easy, relaxed, accessible way. And I thought, well, let's call it good to go because that's positive. And I'm preparing people and I'm targeting people while they're young and healthy. And though I've had clients who were in hospice or terminally ill, I am basically targeting, you know, those who are young and healthy. If you're 18 and over, you need to get your advanced planning done. Absolutely. You, but that, the title, Good to Go, it reminds me of taking a trip. You know, do I have, do I have my blow dryer? Do I have the yes. essentials? I mean, it's, and it's very similar to what you're trying to invoke in a very positive way. Hey, do I have a living will? Have I communicated? Have I, do I, do I want a will? Do I have stuff that I need a will for? Um, you know, does someone know if, if I cannot speak, can they speak on my behalf about my healthcare decisions? I mean, it's, it's almost like a checklist, just like packing to go away, except you're not going to come back. Right. And that's what I tell people. I say, you know, do you, you know, leave a list behind for a house sitter or a neighbor if you go on vacation or you go for a weekend away, you know, okay, this is the schedule you have to do to feed the dogs or whatever, you know, and I I was joking that Good to Go is kind of the cosmic travel agency because we're preparing you for your (laughs) ultimate destination. And, you know, we do include the paperwork in a departure file. And when we have good to go parties, we um, have everybody instead of name tags, it's boarding passes. Um, awesome. So, awesome. So, yeah, we're preparing you for the for the ultimate trip. And hopefully, you, um, you know, you can have fun doing it. I love that because it really does lighten the conversation. It totally lightens the conversation. Boarding passes. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and, it, you know, and that's the thing I thought, let's try to make it a party, you know. And so it's kind of been referred to as death Tupperware parties. We have potluck dishes to share. We have cocktails. Um, and we have a rock and roll death theme soundtrack with like another one bites the dust and stairway to heaven and knocking <laughs> on heaven's door, you know, and so that kind of sets the tone of, you know, yes, death could be a serious subject, but if you're young and healthy and you're having this party, you know, death is still kind of abstract. And so you can face it and, you know, be in good humor and, and have it be an accessible thing. People don't have to dress up in black clothing and formally with a tie and, you know, go into some lawyer's office with, you know, mountains of folders and paperwork. You know, it's just I come to your home. It's relaxed. We have a party. You know, we have these great conversations and it's, you know, so much easier to do it you know, all of these tough things, you know, in a party atmosphere than if you're under duress. Mm. I mean, can you imagine, I I tell everybody every day because I bore people with my passion for advanced planning, but, you know, I tell them every day, you know, like, can you imagine if a loved one went to the hospital and you are, you know, the one that has to make all of the decisions for that person. And yet you never had a single conversation about it. How, how uncomfortable is that? You know, people say, oh, it's uncomfortable to talk about. How uncomfortable is the uncertainty when you're standing in the hospital and have to make these, you know, life or death situation decisions on these situations that come up and you've never talked about it? I mean, well, even the guilt. What if I made the wrong decision? What if I did this? And, and that's what's advanced care planning is and filling out directives is you're taking that question mark away. Absolutely. People, yeah. And you're just, we're just going to follow what you would want. 
And and that's I've I've seen people struggle like, did I do the right thing? Right. Um, and that's that's hard to see. Well, you know, that's one of the reasons I do this is because I literally, I mean, this is a hippie phrase, but I want to transmute the energy. I want to transmute the guilt, uncertainty, anger at maybe you know one person made choices on on the, their behalf, but then a relative disagrees, or you know, it just clears up everything and transmutes that kind of energy into knowing certainty. Um, carrying out your loved one's wishes, you know, that's kind of an honor and that like adds to, you know, the, the positivity surrounding it in a negative situation, you know, you know, you're carrying through what your loved one would have wanted. And the thing that continually blows my mind is, you know, when I'm interviewed or people ask me, you know, do you have proof of good to go helping someone? I am living proof because, you know, when I went through my mom and my granny's death, I then created good to go out of that. And then I had a good to go party in, in Ohio, my hometown of Dayton. And my dad came and he was perfectly healthy at that point. And he filled out all of his good to go paperwork. And unfortunately he got pneumonia a year later, was hospitalized and died. And the six days that he was in the ICU, I was rock solid on everything that he wanted because he came to the party. We had obviously talked a lot about death all the time because of what I do. And I knew I didn't have to make one gut wrenching decision when I was in the hospital. I knew exactly what he wanted and I can't even express to you how much peace that gave me and gave him to transition. I said to him, he was intubated, so he couldn't really communicate. And I said, you know that everything's taken care of, right? You, you know this. And the look of peace on his face, oh my gosh, I can sob right now thinking about it, you know, but, but it helped me, you know, and it's still such a cosmic coincidence that the company that I created to help others actually really helped me. And that's, I would have paid a million dollars to have that kind of peace and certainty when I was in the ER and such, you know, when you're thrown into the chaos of illness, I just went into autopilot because I had talked to my dad so many times about exactly what he wanted. And, um, yeah, it's just so important. So now I feel like I'm kind of the the team that's gone ahead and I'm coming back to warn everybody, <laughs> you know, like you guys, <laughs> this awesome. is the piece that you're going to need. You don't know that you're going to need it right now, but listen to me. <laughs> right. Because no one wants to talk about it. No. And, you know, I always joke that people moonwalk away from me at parties. It's so true. You know, it's <laughs> like people have such a visceral reaction. They either think it's a great thing because they've lived through it or they just don't want to talk about it because it's creepy and morbid and, you know, they don't want to think that they're going to die. A lot of people think that if they fill out advanced planning paperwork, that instantly makes them die. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, my father, when I filled out mine years ago, and you know, I, I revisit it every year because things change. And he, I, I remember having a conversation with him. He goes, "I wish you would have never filled out those forms." I'm like, "Dad, why?" He goes, "Because you're now flying off and swimming with sharks, <laughs> and you're like, well, you know, if anything happens to me, you know the deal." And he's just like, "You never did that before, <laughs> the advanced care planning stuff." And I was in, the, in a joking right. way. Um, of course, it breaks his heart to even imagine that I would die before him, but it does happen. Um, I was on social media and of course I'm always hawkeyeing, you know, who's doing some in innovative things when it comes to end of life and 
you know, death by design and, and design thinking. And so when I came across, you know, good to go, I had to investigate this <laughs> and it, it would, it came across as a good to go party. And I'm like, what in the world is that? And so talk to me, what, how do you do a good to go party? How, what is it like? And, and tell me how you feel or how other people have uh, felt after the experience of a good to go. Yeah. Well, people contact me and all across the country. Um, I do travel for good to go parties. Um, I'm based in Los Angeles. So obviously if you're in California, it's a lot easier, but, um, you book a good to go party. It's a hundred dollars per person. Everybody pays in advance and, um, everybody brings a potluck dish to share based on a recipe from a loved one. And they bring their own booze because, you know, I try to, you know, let the host know whoever's hosting the party. They don't need to be overwhelmed with hosting a party. It's kind of self-sufficient. Right. And then everybody arrives and we go through the departure file, which includes a living will. And then the booklet that took me a year to write with all the questions that I came across, you know, when my mom passed away and it takes about three hours and we, you know, take breaks for, you know, hugs and, (laughs) and, uh, you know, food and, and top ups and, um, yeah. And so it's not depressing or morbid. Uh, we talk very frankly, um, about death and dying and your end of life wishes. And, and actually the thing that surprised me the most, I mean, I I just came up with this idea to share information of what I had lived through and to try to prevent other people from going through that. But what I didn't anticipate was this kind of life euphoria (laughs) that people Mm. at the party feel because, like I said before, you know, death is still this abstract thing and they feel so great. They feel overwhelmed because there's so many details that they had no idea that they needed to have answers for their loved ones if something happened to them. And then also they were just so stoked to be alive and to not have to deal with these really difficult questions of, you know, what, what would I want my loved ones to know if I was diagnosed with some kind of, you know, dementia or early Alzheimer's mm-hmm. or, you know, what do I want people to know if I do get a terminal illness and, you know, those kind of things. And so it allows uh, you to just live more in the present and to be more appreciative of your life. Mm. And you know what? I think that some people, maybe the majority of people, I know it was with me. Sometimes you just need permission to talk about death. It's okay. Yes. You and know, just, it's, yes. It, go, go and, and it's okay if you cry. It's okay if you laugh. It's okay. Whatever happens is supposed to happen and just to lean into it. And that's the thing too. People misunderstand the fact that I have a sense of humor and then I try to take a light approach into getting people to do their advanced planning. It does not mean in any way that grief isn't devastating, isn't soul crushing. And it, you know, it's, I, I encourage people to feel all the feelings and trust me after my mom died, there wasn't a person in the tri-state area that hadn't seen me cry, you know, whether it was Walgreens mm. or, you know, just like going to get the newspaper on the front stoop. My neighbor's like, Oh, how's it going? I'm like, Oh, my mom died. Oh, you know, and so it's just, we encourage people to talk about it. And the more you talk about it, the more, the less stigma there is around it. 
Um, I had a client uh, talk to me and say, you know, was concerned about how do I talk to my mom who is dying? She does have a terminal diagnosis. How do I talk to her about dying without being sad? And I said, you can't, (laughs) you know, you you know, why are you trying to avoid feeling sad? It's a sad thing. And I'm positive that your mom is feeling sad as well. So why not just acknowledge the elephant in the room? You can both have a good old cry about it. And then once you work through it together, that could actually be a really beautiful memory of remember when we were just real and we just showed our emotions and then you, it helps you tackle the realities of what needs to be taken care of. And you're right. And I, I remember years ago, that I was sitting around a table, I think it was friends and family at the same time. And I was like, you know, I just don't want to live long on machines if I'm not going to be the person after. And I was like, could, you know, would one of you guys, you know, talk to the doctor about, and we always say pulling the plug. It's really not pulling the plug. It's just turning the machines off or, you know, whatever. And they were fighting over who was going, who was better at doing that. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. And it ended up, I got so tickled because they were fighting over to end my life. Like, I want to do it. You want to do it. And everybody was like saying I could do it better. And it became this whole, like, we, we just started laughing. Yeah. Like, and I was so shocked um, that I could laugh about that moment. And I'm hoping that if that ever does occur, and one of those individuals does have that uh, duty mm. is that they will recall that yes. conversation and all of us laughing. Absolutely. And I keep telling people, you know, the conversations that I had with my mom and my dad, even both, even though both of them did die unexpectedly, um, they were all surrounding death and grief. And, you know, what do you think happens when we die? And what signs are you going to leave me? And, you know, and that's why in the booklet that I wrote, the advanced death care directive, it includes all of the, you know, social media passwords and bills and what do you want done with your cremated and buried and all those things. But it also includes a history of your joy and, and all of the conversations that I did have with my parents and that I also wished I could have with my parents, I included in the booklet. So it's things like words of comfort I would give you while you're grieving and, you know, things that we don't usually talk to our relatives about, you know, I ask, how do you want to be remembered? And most people say, oh, I want to be remembered as a good sister, a good daughter or, or wife or husband or whatever. But I, I say, no, literally, how do you want to be remembered? Do you want something planted in your honor? Do you want you know, a memorial bench in your favorite park? Do you, you know, those kind of things. Like if you can really go that extra mile and anticipate, you know, what you would want to know down the road, those are the things that I put in the booklet as well. And you connect to, you know, those memories. And those are the conversations that are going to give you the most healing uh, nutrition when you're grieving the loss of that person. I totally agree. You know, losing someone that you love. I love, I love, I love someone over 20 years ago. He was 30 years old, died of melanoma. And Mm. we, we would, he was in the FBI Academy and we would write letters back and forth. I still have those letters and there is every once in a while, I'll bring them out and read them. And it's nothing like seeing his handwriting, seeing what he's talking. It brings me such comfort that I still have them 20 years later. And this is what you're talking about. 
Yeah, something about seeing the the handwriting of your loved one. It is like an eternal gift. <laughs> you know, it's like the idea of they were alive when they wrote this, when they put pen to paper, you know, and they were expressing who they were. And it's just, you know, yes, I'm working on a digital version of this paperwork, but I really do encourage people to write it out in their own handwriting. And, you know, I cleaned out three houses, my mom's, my granny's and my dad's after they died. And those were the things that they would save were notes from other people and or thank you notes or, you know, just letters, as you said. And those are the things that are, you know, tug at the heartstrings and you'll be so grateful to have. And after my dad passed away, he wrote his own obituary mm. in his good to go paperwork. And it was such a gift. And he didn't tell me that he filled that part out. <laughs> and so imagine my surprise and delight, uh, you know, when I saw what he wrote out and, Again, it's like he wrote his own obituary. So when I was grieving this deep cosmic pain and this loss, I didn't have to try to, oh, how am I going to sum up a lifetime of mm. dad in, you know, four sentences? And, and what would like, he, what, oh, wait, he did it for me. Right. Because I remember when my great aunt passed away and I was with um, her children and really close to them. And, and that I remember sitting there the following day or, you know, few days afterwards and they were mm. struggling to be like what was important to her what would she want it to sound right. like I mean and it it was a struggle because they didn't want to disappoint her and how she was right. represented so even the smallest little clue especially having your dad write his own you, you didn't have to think about it not at all I didn't have to think about what, not only what he wanted to say, but I didn't have to think about what paper he wanted it in. I didn't have to think about if he wanted a picture or not. You know, I mean, these are the questions that are in the booklet that he filled out, you know. So, again, it takes away that, oh, my gosh, is this what she would have wanted? Did I honor her by saying this and this? Did I skip anything? Did I miss anything out? And then, you know, I mean, I even found after my dad wrote his own obituary, I had a distant relative kind of complain of, about things that I didn't mention. And, you know, she had said through a, rel a distant relative, like, oh, Amy didn't even mention that he, you know, worked at General Motors. But what she didn't know is that in the paperwork, dad wrote his own obituary and then he wrote, P.S. I hate General Motors. Don't mention it. <laughs> You know, and I just thought, this is the thing. Now, if he wouldn't have written that, you know, that criticism would have sent me into some kind of tailspin of like, oh, no, <laughs> should I have mentioned it? What would he have thought? You know, But I, again, I was rock solid. And it made me laugh because it was a joke in the family. He did not like working at General Motors for 33 years. Right. You know? <laughs> right. That's awesome. Now, tell me, I mean, these packages. I mean, first of all, people can get you to come anywhere in the world to have a to-go party. Um, you, they can work that out with you. But also, you can purchase these packages right on your website. Yeah. If you just want the departure file, uh, you can do that. You can order them off of my website via PayPal. It's $55. And, um, and then once you get the departure file, if you decide that you want a consultation, I do consultations over the phone. I do video conferencing over FaceTime or Skype. And, um, that's $150 per person. And, um, yeah, so there's all kinds of different ways to get this paperwork completed. If you want, you know, I had older clients in their eighties that didn't want to have a party. And so I just went to their house 
and, you know, got them good to go. Whereas, you know, younger people might want to have a party. And, and that's the thing too, is if you have a party with all your close friends or if you have a party with all your close family members, you know, like you said, those are the conversations and those are the times that you're going to flash back to and just be so appreciative that everybody was, you know, out in the open and, and talking about what they wanted. I, I I love it. So tell me, what is the website where they can find you? The website is good to go peace as in peace and love dot org. And um, but if people want to talk to me, I go live every Wednesday on my good to go Facebook page, which is just at good to go peace. That's all my social medias. And we talk about grief. It's called Grievers and Groovers. And we talk about grief and death and the death duties and advanced planning and rock and roll and life and, you know, all the things that I'm passionate about, you know, we talk about um, on Good to Go Facebook page once a week. So people can tune in and drop me a line and if they have any questions or, or just reach out through social media. Well, there is one thing that I need to thank you about. And I have always been part of a family that laughs and to to find someone like you in this world of of somewhat you know misleading uh controversy and tears and and uh, and even though that is a part of it you're bringing this a nude kind of laughter um of how you could do it differently too because like I said, my friends were arguing with one another about who to who, who was going to pull my plug, and <laughs> we just started laughing. And I, I, I think this is laughter is a universal language, um, and it's so true. And I just tell you from the bottom of my heart, I want to come to a good to go party. I'm willing to even come to Los Angeles when you <laughs> I have one. I, I want to experience this because it sounds like so much fun. It really is. It's as fun as it's, it's as fun as it can be, you know, and, (laughs) but I do tell people, you know, isn't it better to do it in in a, in a lighthearted atmosphere? It's kind of like, you know, when they have comedians doing traffic school, you know, I'm just trying to make advanced planning as accessible and as easy for you as possible. And, and also to, to be able to have that space for levity and humor, that means that, you know, the actual paperwork is so detailed that that's going to free you up. You know, you don't have to worry. If I said to you right now, Kimberly, go get your advanced planning done, you'd kind of know that there was a living will, but then you wouldn't really know where to go from that. Like, okay, I guess I need to put down some information here and there. It's already done. I've written down right. every single thing that you're going to need if something happens to you. And it's not just if you die. It's in case of an emergency as well. But, but you know, death is so contrary. You know, you can feel so alone, the most alone you've ever felt. And yet you have this outpouring of love from your community and your friends over your loss. You know, you can be incredibly devastated, but then you can still have a sense of humor. I mean... My dad was hilarious and I can remember saying to him, let's start cleaning out your place now while you're alive because I don't want to be stuck here, you know, by myself sobbing, going through, you know, all of your belongings. And <laughs> and I convinced him to start cleaning out his house with me and we were laughing and we were reminiscing about every little thing and, you know, do you really need to hang on to this chew toy from your dog that's been dead for 12 years? You know, <laughs> those kind of things. 
songs and we just, you know, we put on 50s music, we had a beer, we ordered some pizza and we laughed through the whole process. And then when he actually died and I had to clean out the rest of his place, I noticed that he had done it on his own, you know, even Mm. when I wasn't helping him. But then I remembered all of those times where we were laughing and how he said, he said, man, I'm going to feel sorry for you when you're, you know, grieving and having to do this, you know, and I can just hear his voice. And, and I said to him, you know, what is the, you know, what happens when we die? What do you think is the first thought that you're going to think? And he said, well, uh, probably, you know, holy effing shit, I'm dead. <laughs> That's probably the first thought. And so I put that on a sheet cake at his life celebration, you know, I, oh. and I spelled it out in sugar letters, you know, holy effing shit, I'm dead. And, you know, everybody was like, this is so your dad. He would have loved mm. this. And, you know, so you can incorporate a sense of humor. If that's the way that you lived, that should be expressed Mm -hmm. when you die. You know, I had my friends ship in some baby animals from his animal sanctuary at my dad's life celebration because I knew I was going to be sad, but you know, who can be sad with baby animals around? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And so that's what this is all about. We can express our life in our death and carry it on. And if you've had a sense of humor in life, why not have that in death as well? You know, and it just, it allows you to kind of snap out of your grief, if only for a second, you know, when, mm-hmm. you, when you're laughing and in that moment, even if it's on the border of crying, <laughs> it can be right. such a release, you know, and that's what I was confused about. Like, I'm a positive, happy person with a sense of humor. Just because I'm grieving doesn't mean I'm not those things anymore, you know, so I try to, that's what I love. I try to incorporate humor and everything. So I appreciate the fact that you uh, resonated with that. That's awesome. Absolutely. And, and what I also appreciate about you is that you're willing to dial back to meet people where they are. And Hey, if this, if, if humor is not, has not been a part of your life, um, too sad for you, but Hey, I can just talk about the forms and, and meet you where you're at. And that's what I love. Um, and, and I think, I think you give permission that it doesn't have to be so hard or taboo. Um, and that's sometimes we just, as humans, we just need someone to say it's okay to laugh. Yeah. And, and, you know, even at parties, even though they're fun, there are moments where it's really profound because we talk about heavy things and there are tears, you know, here and there, but it's all good. You know, that's the thing. Don't be afraid to feel sad. Don't be afraid to, you know, have a few tears when you're thinking about not being here anymore and you think about the things that you might miss out on or or whatever. I mean, it's an emotional thing. I'm just trying to give people permission to do that. And through all of the loss, I mean, basically, I lost my entire family in the span of four years you know, I can sit with people in pain that I don't have a problem with that because I've been through it. So I understand. So I, I, I try to, like you say, I try to meet people where they are and, you know, in, in the community, we call it holding a space for people wherever they may be. I love that. Tell us one more time where they find you. Okay. Good to go. Peace.org is my website, but if you want to talk to me one-on-one, I go live on my good to go Facebook page every Wednesday at 8 PM Eastern, 5 PM Pacific, 12 AM GMT time. If you're tuning in from Europe and just join the conversation, I, you know, everybody shares their grief experiences and, 
you know, we might have a, a week where we say, you know, what's the most awkward thing that you encountered when you experienced death? And, you know, people, you know, write in and comment or, you know, we just talk about a, a huge array of things, but, you know, all kind of under the deathy umbrella. I love it. And, you know, I am going to be in Los Angeles um, in the next few months. And you and I, even if you don't have a, a good to go party, we're going to have to drink a beer in honor of your father and, and relive a little bit of what what a celebration it was to actually talk and st- still hear him um, yes. as as you move through your own grief, which I think is is a definite celebration. Oh, I would love that. Absolutely. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for what you're doing. And uh, I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to meet you in person, too. Thank you so much for, for spreading the love and the message of and the importance of advanced planning. It's not going to kill you. Advanced no, planning won't kill you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Kimberly. Thanks for joining us today. And remember... You're the designer.